Amen. You may be seated. And uh, good morning. Uh, good morning to everybody who is here this morning in person. Those of you who are online, I want to welcome you to worship this morning. We can go ahead and turn on some house lights so we can see each other and our bright smiling faces this morning and our, and our beautiful masks. It is good to see you this morning. My name is Andy Nelms and I have the privilege of being an associate pastor here at Lover's Lane, the pastor here at Thrive. And again, I just want to welcome you this morning, whether you are a first time guest with us this morning or first time in a long time or, or maybe a long time member, whatever the case, I want to welcome you to worship. We are, um, I'm really excited this morning. We are starting a new sermon series um, called God's Story. This is all about placing ourselves within the grand story of God. Uh, what we know about Jesus um, is that whenever he was asked a difficult question, uh, instead of just responding with an answer, right? Jesus is kind of constantly surrounded by religious leaders. And, um, and, and, and he is a rabbi, he's a teacher. And, and what was typical of those times is asking those rabbis their interpretation of the law, interpretation of the scripture. And so Jesus was constantly getting peppered with these questions. And instead of Jesus giving an outright answer, um, the right thing to say or the right thing to believe, Jesus would tell a story. Jesus would tell, would weave this narrative. And, and when Jesus tells those stories, I believe that he's asking the listener to place themselves within that story. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the, uh, the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about these stories that Jesus tells and how to place ourselves within them, within those stories. And and, and as I was thinking about um, the, the scripture this morning, um, we are going to be in the gospel of Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and just kind of place a finger there, uh, put a, place a bookmark. If you're at home, you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to use it um, this morning, however you engage with it. Maybe you're on your phone or, or whatever the case. But um, as I was thinking about the scripture this morning, I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, how, how kind of like egocentric um, we have made religion. Um, what I mean by that is, is that th this thing that we want to be the focus of our religion or philosophy, right? We want to be the focus of our religion or philosophy. We really want to be at the center of it. Uh, here's what I mean about that. Whenever I was um, young, whenever uh, I, I was in junior high and high school, um, I was, uh, grew up in Coweta, Oklahoma, small town in Oklahoma. And uh, and there I went to the Methodist church in Coweta. It was a small church. And, and we had a youth group uh, that met on Wednesday nights. But then um, I had other friends who were part of different churches. And I would go to youth group with them. And their churches were a little bit bigger. And, and they had different things going on. And so I would, I would go and we would have a good time. And, and, and I would be a part of these kind of different worship experiences, these different experiences of church. And, and as I did, I got exposed to some really great culture of churches. And but also, as I did, I, I started to kind of get this like almost warped view of church because there would be some places that I would go where we would go into worship. Um, we would go to worship and, 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 and we would kind of get the idea that the whole, point of, the whole point of our faith, the whole point of the Christian faith was to come together and, and go to, to worship, to like sing a song, you know, like, like to come together. The whole point was, was to get everybody together, to get as many people as possible together and, and to sing the song and listen to the sermon and then go home. Like that was, that, that seemed to me like kind of the objective 
of church. And I remember whenever I was a kid and, uh, and we were in worship and, and some of these worship services were going a little bit longer, you know, than, than, like, than, than my, you know, like teenage brain could really kind of handle. Um, I would get kind of distracted and then I would start doing some other things. And then I heard the worship leader one time, they were in the middle of this kind of like long extended worship set. And I heard the worship leader one time say, guys, isn't this great? This is going to be what heaven is like. And I was like, oh no, you know, like, I'm going to be bored in heaven. You know, like I got, I got really scared for a moment. Um, and, and, but, but I had this idea that like, like this was the point, that, that the point was to come together and, and for you to feel something in worship. Like that was the goal. And, and what I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Like that is a really good thing to have. And I, and I hope that you would experience that at least at some point in your life. I hope you experience that, but that is not the end result. We want to be the focus of our religion or philosophy, but if we stop with ourselves, then we've achieved about half of what we are called to as people of faith. So I hope you will notice that we want to be the focus of our religion or our philosophy. And, and maybe this is true for you, even if you don't have a faith life. If you don't know what you believe, I, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're watching. If you don't know what you believe about Jesus, it, it's, the same applies, right? We want to be the focus of our religion or philosophy. And what I've noticed, um, others' experience is, is what I'll call the, the me-ligion, right? Get it? It's like religion, but me-ligion, you know? So the, the me-ligion, you know? It's like all that's important is about how I feel in relationship to, to, to God or how I feel in my relationship to my philosophy. Like that is all that's important. That's all that's important. You know, sometimes we talk to people who have been a part of a church for a long time, you know, and we ask them about like kind of their objectives and, and you know, I'm just concerned about my family, right? Like all I got to do is just is, is take care of my family and, and then, you know, I'll be good. All, all I got to do is, is do a good job at work. You know, if I do a good job at my work, then, then I've accomplished my thing. Or people who have been a part of a church for a long time have said, you know, like I, I read scripture, um, I, I pray, I go to church. I, this, this kind of me religion takes over and hopefully what we will know is this. And this is true regardless of what we believe. Regardless of what we believe, greater outcomes, greater outcomes arise out of a wider focus. Greater outcomes arise out of a wider focus. What does that mean? That if we continually practice this me-ligion, then we are all that we will ever get. If we remain the focus, if, if it's just me, if I am constantly the focus of my religion, then, then this whole thing will end with me. But if I open myself up, if I have this wider focus then I will achieve a greater outcome. This is true in our faith. This is true in our work. This is true in our family. This is true throughout our lives. And this is something that our, uh, the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, he was an Anglican priest in the 1700s. He knew this as well. And so whenever he talked about faith practices, he divided them into two things. When he talks about, when he talks about your faith, he says divided into two things. The first thing is a work of piety, works of piety. These are the things that we practice inwardly. These are the me-ligion kind of things, the, the prayer, reading of scripture, all the things that we do in private, these, these kind of things, these works of, pri of piety are very important. It is important to develop your soul. It is important to develop your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Spirit. It is important to do all of those things. But if that is where we end, then we have missed half the faith that is out there for us. Wesley said, works of piety are not only important, but he said, what is also important is this, works of mercy. Works of mercy. He said, these are things like feeding the hungry, visiting the imprisoned, 
caring for the sick and the elderly, reaching out to those who are lost. What I find so many times is that we stop so short. We stop so short of of the abundant life that, that Jesus has promised us. And that's what we learn about this morning as we are in the gospel of Luke chapter 15. And, and Jesus tells this story. Maybe if you've been a part of church, you've heard this before. Maybe this is your first time hearing the story, whatever the case. Um, we're going to be in the gospel of Luke um, chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, the gospel writer says this, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. Him was Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. I pray with everything that I am that that same thing is said about us. Notice what happened. Jesus is out doing his ministry. He is, he, he is talking about the, 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 the kingdom of God, where what God once done is done. He's saying, look, God has a plan for this world, and this is what it looks like. And as Jesus was talking about that, people flocked to him. And who flocked to him? Not the religious people. Not the people who had already figured it out, but the people who were the, leafed out, the left out the least and the lost, these, these tax collectors, people who were hated in Jesus' time, and the sinners all those people flocked to Jesus. And they, there were so many people around Jesus that the religious leaders scoffed and said, this fellow, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. When was the last time that was said about you? When was the last time that somebody could look into your life and honestly say, this person They welcome sinners. They welcome the least. When was the last time somebody could look at you and and know that they could share their burden? That they wouldn't be judged, that they would be welcomed? When was the last time that could be said about us? Because it was said about Jesus. So Jesus is here gathered with all these sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees and the religious leaders scoff at him and say, you know, what are you doing? You're welcoming in all these people. And so Jesus uses this as a teaching moment. And so he starts to tell this story. We read this in verse 3 of uh, Gospel of Luke chapter 15. We read this, that Jesus told them a parable. And he said, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that one That is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I love this story because Jesus tells this story as if this is kind of like common everyday practice, right? He says, look, okay, if you were a shepherd and you had a hundred sheep and you lost one of them, wouldn't you leave the 99? Jesus says in the wilderness, in, in the wild, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go and search after that one? And I imagine most smart shepherds would say no, right? Why would you leave 99 sheep and go search after the one? And Jesus is saying, this is, this is what it's like in the kingdom of God. Right? This is what God wants. 
God wants a place where, where if there is one person that is lost, the shepherd will go and find that one. Jesus says, look, if you're a shepherd and you have 99 sheep, wouldn't you go search after that one? And that sounds so counterintuitive to us, but here's what Jesus knows. Those 99 sheep, they've learned to care for themselves. They've learned to provide for themselves. Jesus says, if you haven't developed 99 sheep that can care for themselves so that you can go and search after that one, then you haven't done your job as a shepherd. I have a friend who is a pastor as well up in Oklahoma, and, um, and he was telling me a story about a family that came to him, uh, you know, called a meeting with a pastor. He said, Pastor, we want to meet with you in your office. Uh, that's code, uh, pastor code for this is not good, right? Um, and, and so, um, you know, my, my friend knew that this family was having some struggles in the church. They, they, they were not happy about some of the things that were happening. And, and, uh, and so he met with them, and they, they sat down with him, and, and they said, Pastor, we're going to leave the church because we're not being fed. You know, we, we just don't get anything out of it anymore. We're going to leave the church because we're not being fed. My friend said, how long have you been a part of this church? And they said, 15 years. And he said, wow. He said, my one-year-old can feed herself. You absolutely need to leave this church. If we haven't taught you to feed yourself, if we haven't taught you to, to, to develop your own spirituality, if we haven't taught you to, to fend for yourself in the wild, if we haven't taught you that by now, that we haven't done our job as a shepherd. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I believe the job as a pastor is to care for the flock, to care for the people who are here. But if we are constantly caring for the people who have already been here and been here a long time and don't focus on the one that is lost, then we have done half of our faith. It is not only the, the works of piety that are important. It is not only the works of developing our own spirituality, but it is Jesus said himself. Jesus said that his entire job, Jesus, I have it in my notes somewhere. Hold on, give me a second. Uh, Jesus said this, listen to this. He, he said in the gospel of Luke chapter 15, verse seven, just so I tell you, he said, look, here's this story, right? The 99 sheep and, and you'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And then he tells them this in verse seven, just so I tell you, there will be more Joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This was Jesus. Like, I just, I, I want to be super clear because, like, we are Christians, right? If you believe in Jesus, you are a Christian. That literally means little Christ, so that we go and do the things that Jesus did. We act like Jesus out in the world. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said there will be more joy in heaven over one person who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. That just needs to sink in on us a little bit. Like, When was the last time it could be said about us that, that we eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? When was the last time that we welcomed somebody into the community of faith? When was the last time that, that we invited somebody? When was the last time that we reached out to somebody, a new neighbor that we saw moving into town that we knew they were from far away? We knew they did not live here a month ago, but still we have not yet reached out. When was the last time that we did that? 
Why? Because Jesus said there's more joy in heaven over one person who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. And being the 99, if you're a person of faith, if you said, you know what, hey, I've been here for 15 years. If you are that person, it can sting a little bit when your shepherd leaves to go after the one. Right? There, there can be some like, hey, what about, what about me? You know, it's like, it's kind of hard to quit me, religion, cold turkey. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's kind of hard to not make this whole thing about me and then watch the shepherd go and search after the one. It, it's strange to be a part of a faith. It's strange to be a part of a faith where, where our focus is not just about us. Right? Like, like as soon as we profess faith in the church, as soon as we profess you know, belief in Jesus and profess ourselves to be members of the church, what do we do but agree to do the mission of the church, which is to seek out and save the lost, to heal the sick, to, 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 to feed the hungry? The, the membership is, vow is not, will, will you continually to make decisions of the church that focus more on yourself? Jesus says his entire goal here, and, 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 and this was the, the story of the 99, the story of the sheep is in Luke 15. In Luke 19, Jesus said this, for the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. That was his goal. So when Jesus came, we believe that Jesus was, was God with flesh on right? right. Uh, uh, God con carne, you know, God like with meat on. And, 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 and when Jesus came into this world, he, he showed what the kingdom of God would be like. And whenever he did that, when he came into the world, he spent time with the people who were not the religious elites. But he spent time with the outcasts. Here's probably the most important thing that we can consider this morning, and, and, and I hope that you'll just, you'll pray on this tonight. As you're getting ready for bed, as, as you're putting the kids down, as you're, as you're doing your, your evening routine, maybe even as just like you're, you're vetching in front of the TV because you've just had an exhausting day because your, your preacher yelled at you for an hour, you know, but, but as you're preparing to go to bed tonight, I, I hope that you'll pray about if Jesus came back, like today, if Jesus came back today, where would he be? Where would, where would Jesus go? Remember, Jesus spent time with the outcasts. He, 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 he got into town and, and he didn't go straight to the temple and just, you know, talk to all the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, and all the religious elites. He went out into the countryside and, and he went to tax collectors and sinners and he went to all these people. He went to parties. He, he went to all these things. If Jesus were here today, where would he go? Who would he associate with? And the next question is, why aren't we there? Because greater outcomes arise out of a wider focus. And if we stay the focus of our faith, then we are all that we will ever get. But if we set our minds on things above that are not of this world, if we say, you know what, Jesus, I, 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 I can't do this alone. I can't do this by my own strength. I can't do this by my own power. If you want me to do this, then you've got to meet me there. You've got to empower me. I believe that Jesus will do it. 
here's the thing. When Jesus came in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I believe that when Jesus promised that, it wasn't just about some far off thing. That it wasn't just about like when you die, you get like an extra life, you know, like you, you just get to keep going. I believe that Jesus, when he said that, not only promised this, this afterlife, but promised a life abundant today. That promised a life abundant right now. That we can achieve that. We can see that. We can have that right now. But it will only come out of a wider focus that goes beyond ourselves. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now. God, I, I pray right now that you would heal our wounds. God, there are many things that, that, that are occupying our mind at this moment. There, there are many worries that we have that are outside this room or, or, or away from us at this time. God, I, I pray that right now we would experience the presence of your Holy Spirit. And whatever that means, whatever that looks like for us, I pray that right now, God, that we would sense your peace that passes all understanding. That even in the midst as we look out onto your mission, of seeking out and saving the lost, of leaving the 99 and going after the one, even as we look out and doing this thing that makes us uncomfortable, God, I pray that you would give us peace. In the unity that comes from your Holy Spirit that unites us with not only these fellow Christians that are gathered around us, even virtually, but Christians around the world. God, most of all, I pray that you would send us God, that we would respond like so many faithful have before, that we would call out, here am I, send me. God, we pray for our neighbors. We pray for those new to town. We pray for those who are struggling in their marriage. We pray for those who are struggling with their children or, or those who are long so deeply to be parents but have struggled so much. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would not only bless them, but would empower us to be your hands and your feet to those in need. God, we ask it by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen.